Carolina Panthers have a new football coach in Frank Reich. He spoke to media yesterday, hosting that introductory press conference. And who better to talk about it than Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer. He joins us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And you can follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler. Scott, do you think David Tepper read your column that you just dropped? And if so, what do you think he would say about it? <laughs> well, he claims to read all my columns, uh, so I guess he at least skimmed it, I would think. Um, I guess he would, I, I hope he would think it was fair. That's what I usually shoot for. But uh, I wrote today in the Charlotte Observer about Tepper's uh, admitting to mistakes in the process of hiring Matt Rule. That was the main theme about it. I didn't touch too much on Frank Reich, but I thought he gave a Quite solid first press conference, uh, but I, I concentrated more on the Tepper rule dynamic, which, as we can see from today's news, uh, continues to Whew, make yeah. some waves. Well, yeah, and we'll, we'll ask you about that here in just a moment as well. And you can go read that column, by the way, on charlotteobserver.com. I did want to ask you a little bit about Frank, though, Scott. You've been covering the Carolina Panthers a long time. You've covered multiple head coaching hires. What was your assessment of Frank Reich's press conference compared to other hires in Carolina history? Everyone wins the press conference, right. really. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a pretty low bar not to win the press conference. <laughs> uh, you, you're really in bad shape there. But I, that said, uh, Frank is a commanding presence, and I thought he did well. Uh, he's You can tell that he has had a lot of speaking experience as a former pastor for a church in Ballantyne and in many other situations. He's just used to getting in front of a group, and he's got some talking points that he wants to get through. And he'll do well in you know team meetings. I think he'll. The players will. Much like honestly, he reminds me of Ron Rivera more than anyone else in that. In terms of NFL background, instant credibility because of that NFL background, and a solid, stable guy. Um, but of course, Steve Wilkes is all that other than not playing in the league and. Uh, We've talked about that before, but I thought that's the way they should have gone. But you can say that, and you can also think that they made a pretty good hire with Frank Reich. And, and you know, given the other alternatives, I think Frank Reich was solid. Well, and you did focus on David Tepper more so in your column, as you mentioned, and you talked about his phrasing that it was a mistake to have a CEO-type head coach when discussing the Matt Rule hire. How much did you read into that as far as the decision going to Frank Reich? And what did you make of David Tepper's comment? Well, I think that, you know, it's um, it's revisionist history, right? At the, Three years ago, they, they thought they were going out of the box and, and that Matt Rule was going to come in and it was, you know, all going to be butterflies and rainbows. And now it, I think like in almost every coaching search, this so often happens. Um, you you hire a little bit. If the last one didn't work out, so you hire often the opposite of what you had, thinking that's going to work better. So Frank Reich, very much the opposite of Matt Rule, much older, played in the league, uh, an offensive-minded guy from the get-go. And the Panthers, obviously, by interviewing seven of nine of their interviewees were offensive-minded guys. That was that was where they were leaning. And if Steve Wilkes happened to be an offensive coordinator, maybe this all worked out differently. And then I want to ask you, Scott West Bryant here, what was your overall vibe of the press conference as far as 
the players that did attend, what did you make? Did you get to talk to any of them and see how they felt about everything? Uh, yeah, Wes, that's a good question. I think cautious optimism, probably. I mean, you got to realize these guys, uh, most of them would have voted for Wilkes, so it's not like they're just um, a game show audience applauding everything that Frank Reich says. But he came up. I could see in that in the vibe of it, uh, he was very careful to come up and, and pay the players respect. I would say came to talk to them before the press conference. Went over and shook some more hands that maybe he didn't. Had some conversations there. Said several times in the press conference, the players are the stars. We're trying to direct them, but, but the players are the stars here. There's the, and, and showing that it ain't going to be about Frank Reich. You know, it's going to be about Taylor Moten, who was there, and some of the other guys who were there. And, of course, it's about somebody else who's not probably here yet, and that's the to-be-named quarterback. And that, more than anything, is the reason Frank Reich has been hired He's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, and that's what they need. And then off of that, when you talk about how much he values the players, and, and then later on when he talked about the turf and collaborating with players, and he ended that uh, section of his press conference saying the players are going to drive the ship, but they are not running the ship. And he said, we're going to collaborate, but it's not a democracy. What, what was your take on that? Well, I think honestly he misunderstood the grass versus turf question. I didn't I didn't <laughs> think that he got that one. It was it was noisy in there. The acoustics weren't the best and um you know, the questioner was having to say it over about 12 rows of people. So, not sure Frank heard that one all the way. Um but you know, they played on they play on turf in Indianapolis, right? I'm I'm, I'm trying to remember, yes. but I think they do. And so he's used to turf. I mean, all players, you know, former players, I mean, in his heart, I bet you he prefers grass. But is that going to be Frank Reich's number one issue here? Uh, no. He'll listen to the players and, you know, maybe put in a put in a good word for them. But the collaboration and not a democracy thing honestly reminds me a lot of what Wilkes used to say, that he was he'd listen to them, but ultimately it was going to be done his way. And that's that's what Frank Reich is doing here. He's Fortunate to get a second chance this early. You know, it's only been, what, two months since he's been fired. Uh, but most NFL coaches don't get a third one. So he needs to make this work. Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer joining us on Wes and Walker. He joins us via the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You know, and Scott, as we talk about David Tepper, how much pressure do you think is on him regarding this hire? Because not only do you have the failure that was Matt Rule as the head coach here in Carolina, but now Matt Rule is filing an arbitration suit, and he did that just last week because he feels he's owed more money from Carolina. And we know David Tepper got testy yesterday when asking or when asked about Steve Wilkes not getting this job, and then he talked about diversity, and it seemed very defensive from David Tepper. Man, I mean, I'm just interested in what your thoughts are on him as an owner so far and just how much pressure there is surrounding this specific hire with Frank Reich? No, probably a lot of pressure. Uh, he's, you know, he had this opportunity once before, uh, he fired the winningest coach in Panthers history guy he inherited in Ron Rivera, uh, struck out with Matt rule. I think everyone would agree with that. And, and Dave Tepper saying yesterday that it's a mistake to have a CEO type coach, as you referenced. 
So now here's another shot at it. I mean, they've had five straight losing seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, Walker, this is bad news. So um, got to fill the seats, you know, got to got to have an interesting team. Uh, and I think he is feeling the pressure. Uh, the questioning yesterday, he knew he was going to get some tough questions. So here, here's one thing I will say. Kudos to Dave Tepper for facing the music and taking some questions uh, because a lot of NFL owners don't. I mean, they just don't at all. It's just. It's just a black hole when you're trying to interview an NFL owner. So Tepper at least took not all the questions you'd want him to answer, but some. He did sound defensive on, as you mentioned, on a couple of different subjects. Uh, But I think that's all sort of what you say. I mean, I think the pressure over at Bank of America Stadium, I mean, they're all feeling it. Five straight losing seasons will do that to you. Uh, And – they're, they've just got to win. They all know that. Bottom line, they just got to win. There's not a lot of margin for error. They've kind of they've used up the honeymoon and then some and got people mad at them. So they better win some games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I did want to reference one of your paragraphs here in your column. You did say in his own press conference, Reich said it was conceivable for any NFL team to turn its fortunes around in a single year and that the Panthers would have a balanced offense. You know, Scott, how conceivable do you think it is for Carolina to be able to turn this thing around in a single year? If, well, I think you can answer it with one word, quarterback. If they get the quarterback, if they get, I don't even mean a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I just mean a top half of the (laughs) league quarterback. If they got that guy, the defense is pretty much ready to win right now. We've seen that off and on for a couple of years. Uh, but the offense has been so inconsistent. I mean, they had some great games under Wilkes, but they also got pummeled a couple of times and couldn't score against against elite teams. So, you know, I was talking to uh, Walker and Wes. I was talking to Bill Polian the other day, and I really think he's one of the genius football minds of the last 40 or 50 years, and asked him that. And, of course, he said quarterback number one. That's what they got to have if they're going to turn it around. But he also mentioned a couple of specific points. Got to have a better second receiver. Got to get a dynamic running back again, which he doesn't think they had, even though you know Foreman and some of those guys had some pretty good games. But got to have a dynamic running back, good number two receiver, and a lot more production from the tight end. The offensive line is pretty much there, but those other skill positions are, are vacant or at least not good enough right now as well. Scott, have you heard anything or any type of rumblings about what type of quarterback that uh, Coach Wright would fancy? A little bit. Uh, I think he referenced it a little bit yesterday. Uh, He said the league is going to a movement-type quarterback, I think is the way he said it. So I think, you know, he has – he was burned this year, honestly, Wes, with Matt Ryan, who just absolutely ran out of gas at just the wrong time for Frank Reich. If Matt Ryan had been any good, Frank Reich wouldn't have even been available because Indianapolis would have won enough games. And he'd probably still be there. But So I think the drop back, you know, the Tom Brady, Matt Ryan uh, style, I don't think he, he, he does. And that's, it was Frank Reich's style, too, for the most part. He doesn't want that. He needs, uh, he needs the, you know, somebody who can run. I mean, I bet you he'd love Bryce, you know, young, but they won't, they won't be in position for that. But he needs most of the college quarterbacks these days run, and I, he's got to he's got to find somebody sort of like Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's I think that's 
Mahomes is that's too high of a bar. But maybe you can find, you know, maybe you can get lucky and find the next Jalen Hurts. Who knows? Now, what do you think, too? It's been reported that there have been conflicting thoughts among Reich and Tepper in the ownership group as far as defensive coordinator. And Reich wants one guy or a couple of guys, and then they like uh, certain guys like Marquand Manuel and things like that. Do you find it strange uh, a coaching staff, a head coach being dictated to what his staff will be? Or what are your thoughts and what have you heard about that? Well, I don't know enough about it to say that that is what's happening. Uh, that they're, you know, I don't think you hire Frank Reich and then absolutely dictate what your, you know, who his coordinators are. That'd be, that'd be silly. Um, but one of the things they said was, hey, he came in with his second level thinking. He had all these guys kind of lined up with loose commitment. So I think if you believe in Frank Reich, you just, you just kind of let him fill the staff. I thought it was unusual that the Panthers interviewed some of these coordinators without knowing who the head coach would be. Um, made a little more sense, I thought, with Vic Fangio because he is you're going to have to pay him so much, it's almost like you're paying a head coach. Uh, but, of course, that didn't work out. You know, it would have been nice if it did, but it didn't. So, um, you know, the coaching stuff, uh, I think bottom line is he's going he's gonna to get some coaches that will be fine. But all of that, you know, Best coaches in the world don't solve the fact if you do, if you can't can't have a guy who can thread the needle on third and ten. All right, Scott. We it's been a while since we've talked to you. We did talk to you about your last interview that you had with Roy Williams, and in the season finale of Sports Legends, the interview process that you had with different Carolina legends here, you talked with Steph Curry. You asked him if there was a shot that he could possibly play for the Charlotte Hornets at the end of his career. I read the interview, Scott. He didn't officially say no. He did not no. shut the door on that. <laughs> what is the likelihood he comes back to play his final year or years here in Charlotte? I, you know, I'm probably not great, but you're right. I mean, he's never going to shut that door. He, yeah, I know. He, he loves this area. And, um, you know, it's it's – when he's 38 years old, which, of course, LeBron's about 38 now, so Steph's going to have some juice in the tank at 38. He's going to have some at 40. I mean, he may be like Vince Carter and play 20 years. Um, you know, there's a chance. I don't think it's a great chance. I'm glad you mentioned Sports Legends, though, Walker. Thank you for that. Um, our our Season 2 begins next Friday uh, in print, and next Tuesday – February 7th, so not very far away at all, in the podcast and online form, and it will be with Greg Olson. So right before the Super Bowl, we have a extended interview with Greg Olson. Uh, he talks about Tom Brady and what, you know why he thinks the Panthers uh, really should have beaten Denver in the 2015 Super Bowl, a lot of other subjects, really great stuff. It's going to be great. Maybe we have you on again to talk a little bit more about that, especially with Greg well, Olson. Now the Tom Brady news that just came in today with him announcing his retirement. How does that affect Greg Olson with Fox? You can check that out again next Friday, Sports Legends of the Carolinas, and make sure you go check out his recent column on charlotteobserver.com about David Tepper, Frank Reich, the introductory press conference yesterday. Follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler. Scott, thank you so much. We always appreciate the time. Thanks, Scott.
All right. Thanks, Walker and Wes. Love your show. Talk right. to you later. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Now we're having them on all the time. Let's go. You, 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 you continue to feed us some compliments. Absolutely. <laughs> we're going to plug the hell out of that podcast Let's series, go. and we can talk about it a little bit more after that. A big thanks to Scott for joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Just a couple more segments to go. We'll be back in just a moment. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Always out of control on the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 FM, WFNZ. We are back talking about the head coaching carousel some more. Sean Payton, who we thought was going back into the broadcast booth, is indeed not going back to the broadcast booth as the Denver Broncos have corralled him i guess is that a good language for the broncos they corralled him like you know in a wild wild west like a wild mustang baby yeah man Brought that lasso they, out and got sean they Payton. corralled him and the price was a first round pick in this year's draft and a second round pick in next year's draft correct sean payton the compensation so you're yes. talking about you're talking about a first round pick that Adam Schefter reported coming in yesterday. So if you look at the compensation that the Broncos gave up, the Saints will receive the Broncos' 2023rd first-round pick, 2023, excuse me, the number 29 overall selection, and the 2024 second-round pick for Sean Payton. And in exchange, the Saints will also send a 2024 third alongside the head coach to go back to Denver in return. Yeah, I don't think that that is a bad deal at all for the Denver Broncos when you talk about a guy that is good with veteran quarterbacks. We saw the work that he did with Drew Brees. Uh, He also did some good things with Taysom Hill, so hopefully he can revive the career of one, Russell Wilson. And when you talk about teams that have traded for head coaches in the past, names like Bill Parcells, Mike Holmgren, Bill Belichick, John Gruden, Herm Edwards, and Sean Payton now. So that's pretty esteemed class. I mean, I don't hear a lot of failures in that group. These are some successful coaches. It's not like somebody uh, traded for these guys and they were bust. So a lot of people think, especially with him going there with Russell Wilson uh, being on the warpath next year, him wanting to get it together, I think that he will have a motivated Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. I think he looks at that roster, sees a really good defense there. He's got some skill, talent to work with. But the question is, should the Panthers have been more aggressive in trying to get him? Guess what I'm going to say. I know what you're going to say, but you know, I'm trying to make it suspenseful for yeah. the people. Uh, and, and, and let me come in and squash it. No. Okay. The Carolina Panthers absolutely should not have done this because this could be the compensation for Denver, as reported. Right. right? But it's not going to be what Carolina was going to have to give up in order mm-hmm. to go get him. Especially if you were bidding. Now it really raised the stakes because D'Amico Ryans decides to go take the Houston Texans job. Apparently there was some very real interest from Denver to go hire the San Francisco 49er defensive coordinator. So now D'Amico goes to Houston. Denver is wanting Sean Payton. They're willing to give up the first and the second, even though you are getting a third in return, 100%. That matters. But even if you're doing that... Now Carolina, if they want them, they're going to have to up the ante, especially with the whole NFC South division rival thing. So I don't know what would have landed Sean Payton here in Carolina if they were aggressive in pursuing the former now Saints head coach. So no, I wouldn't have done it. I value the draft picks too much. I Give me a first round pick 
another second round pick, right? Because you would have had to give at least that up, Mm -hmm. right? We'll be conservative and say that's the only thing that you would have had to give up for Sean Payton. So first and second, give me those two selections, guys that could hit, especially with the success that you've mostly had in the first round. Give me those two selections and a Frank Reich or a Steve Wilkes or any of these other candidates rather than having Sean Payton at the expense of that. I mean, I think if you can get a coach of Sean Payton's caliber, now we're going to see going forward if he is indeed him, as the kids like to say, that gets on my nerves, but I figured it was apropos you right keep going, there. I think you closet like it, uh, Yeah, You yeah, like saying yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> the... Um, I mean, I think to get a coach of that caliber, I just wonder what the price would have been. It probably would have been an extra second round. I think for the Panthers, I would say something like a one and a two this year and then maybe a two next year and something like that. Like a, But they did say there was going to be an NFC South tax attached to the Panthers if they would have done it because I'm sure they would not have wanted the Panthers, wanted the Panthers to be on the fast track to a Super Bowl, so they would have made sure to try to gut them. Well, and the reason that a price goes up is because there's a very real possibility you're bidding against someone, right? Yes. Like, so many times that we have these awful trades, part of the point of criticism is, well, who else wanted them like that? I can think of the Nick Foles acquisition for Jacksonville, I believe, right? When, I believe, Jacksonville, they got Nick Foles. And it didn't seem like there was another team that was really bidding for his services. And so you give up. I forget what the trade was. I just remember that name coming across the board. Research team is busy today. We can get them on that as well. Right. But like a third round pick when really you're you're trading a, an important asset for, for Nick Foles, who isn't that big of a deal. Now, Sean Payton is. But you have the NFC South tax. And then you have Denver in the mix. So think about how the storyline comes up. Carolina, they're deciding to go after Sean Payton. Well, now Denver has to act with a sense of urgency, which they didn't really have to do with Carolina, right? Because they already named Frank Reich their head coach on Thursday. This news comes in just yesterday. So you're talking about close to a week, about five days worth of time. They have to act with a sense of urgency. So now they're bidding up. The Saints use the Broncos package as leverage, use that against Carolina, and then it's, all right, well, the Panthers either either have to pay the price or they just back on down, and so ultimately doesn't become the head coach in the first place. I Look, I don't think it ends up happening anyway, but especially if you were talking about the price it was ultimately going to take with Denver in this scenario, no, nah, man, not me. That's not what I'm, I'm willing to give up. And we will see what moves the Panthers make because – Another way to say it is, okay, if we, or another way to see it is to say, okay, we get rid of, oh, oh, it's been a while. What is it? What's the breaking news, Fiddy? All right, guys, Lions assistant head coach and running backs coach Deuce Staley is leaving to join Frank Reich's staff here in Carolina. Hey, hey. That's real dope. I really like that. That's a lot of fun. Deuce Staley going from, so you don't get Ben Johnson who was the offensive coordinator that did such a great job with Detroit. But Deuce Staley, always like a sneaky name that should be higher up in the coaching ranks. I love this. I know you do too, based off your reaction. Yes. Who chose Deuce Staley as the offensive coordinator when we did the what ifs? Oh, no. Are you about to try to take credit for this? I'm just saying I did. I'm not taking credit for him coming here, but I'm just saying I was the first one who gave him a job. Okay. I was the one who believed in you, like he said Thank in Scarface, like Frank told Tony. Thank you, Wes. But for- I just want everybody to remember that when we did the head coach interview, I did no. pick Deuce Staley as my offensive coordinator. Goodness gracious. So you can say I uh, manifested it. Stop this man, Fiddy. What else do you have based off the I mean, I, I, are we telling any lies here? Just let me know that. Fiddy, no, are no any lies, lies detected. Told? Although Thank I, you. I did want to clarify 
the tweet doesn't say offensive coordinator. It just right. says he's joining his staff. I did, though, read a reply, and it said, quote, Lions dropped the deuce. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was saying, how'd that get nothing? No, that that's what everybody deserves. Anytime yeah. anybody pulls off a joke like that, we move on. Right. So so yeah, like I was saying, there are a couple of trains of thought because the Panthers at this point are nine million uh, over the salary cap, so they are going to have to do some finagling. It's not like you're the Chicago do Bears. Some finagling. Yeah, just really quick. Can you believe Turn. that the Chicago Bears have ninety eight million dollars of cap space? Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> they can go buy a whole new organization with that much cap money. $98 million, but, hey, for the, uh, you know, you guys talk about the NFC South and the Panthers, it belonging to them, but uh, can you guess who number two is for cap space? Who is that? The ATL Falcons, shawty. $46.4 million in cap room. They go get Lamar Jackson. I can't wait to see the faces around this city. They Still go pick going up, 7 and 10. They go pick up LJ and pick up some more pieces. I'm just saying $56 million. That's a lot of Skrilla. So, with that said, though, when we talk about this division and we look at the head coaches, it's Frank Reich now the best in this division. You know, it, it kind of, look, Arthur Smith is someone that I value as play calling. I, I don't know how he runs a team. Okay. I, I I don't like the way that he handles media. Okay. I don't know, like his press conferences. Yeah, he is a are, bit of a, uh, a, a Grinch? Curmudgeon. Curmudgeon is very good. Yeah. That's probably the better Thank word. Uh, a Grinch is something that also, maybe during the holidays, we can call him a Grinch. And so I don't love that, but I do think you did a great job with Tennessee's offense. You relied on Derrick Henry, but you also had Ryan Tannehill playing pretty well. And, yes. and maybe if you wanted to get to the postseason and then use that against him, that's fine. But if you don't believe in Tannehill, you can't have it both ways where you don't believe in Ryan and then say he didn't do a good job with him based off of the numbers, right? Like Ryan actually put together pretty decent seasons. So if you give Atlanta a good quarterback, you give Arthur Smith a good quarterback, that's the only one in the running. I, I'm not going to say Todd Bowles is as good as Frank Reich. Yeah. I'm not going to say Dennis Allen by any stretch of the imagination. No, not at all. Dennis Allen is the worst. We can all agree on that. Yes. He's the worst coach in the division. Yes. Oh, I don't know. He's worse than Todd Bowles. Todd, Todd Bowles, Bowles is pretty bad. Todd he, Bowles got to the playoffs. But, I mean, I know yeah. he had Brady, but he got to the playoffs. Well, you no, do have to give him credit for that. But, but, but he also got to the playoffs with the Jets. Like, Todd Bowles. No, he didn't? Yeah. I think he did get to the postseason with the Jets, at least his first year, if I'm not mistaken. I do think he that. He went 11-5. and five, They did not make the playoffs. So they went 11-5, and five, didn't make it. Okay, I thought that they did make it, but 11-5 and is still a pretty good record, but you're right. So, you know what? That makes up for it. Like, getting to the playoffs when you shouldn't have. Oh, now you're just moving the goalposts for a crappy head coach. Uh, he's he's third. I'm not saying he's amazing. We're arguing about who the That's third. crappy, though. Who's the third best coach in the NFC South? Regardless, Frank Reich is better than both of them, in my opinion. And I would think that Frank Reich and Arthur Smith are the guys that you're battling with. And we'll see, you know, Atlanta, they have, if they don't make improvement this season, that'll be three years for Arthur Smith. And at that point you can start to make some evaluations about how good a coach truly is. So yeah, I don't mind at all saying Frank Reich is the best coach in that division right now. I would agree with you as well. And then the question that will come after that, who is the best quarterback in the NFC South as it stands today? Hey bro. The correct answer is no one. There is not a best quarterback in this division. I am. I'm sorry. Uh, no, bro. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Sam. I can't give it. Was to it you. Blaine Gabbard? At I, this point? I I can't give you that title. 
I'm not going to give your boy Andy Dalton the title either, Wes. I'm not going to do that. For well, you, we have to pick somebody. That's four teams. You can't ride the fence like that. You got to pick no, somebody. Not, that's what he is. He's I, a fence rider. Yeah, you got to pick somebody. I am not riding the fence. I'm definitively saying no one should get this award. I'm not riding. But somebody any has to. So if if you're asking me, I'd go Jameis Winston over all of them. I'd oh, pick him bro. over everybody, over Andy Dalton, over Sam Darnold, over everybody in this division. Give me Jameis Winston, the most talented at least guy that was playing pretty well with Sean Payton as the head coach. Coach. Give me James Winston. Well, I guess you can get away with that because Andy Dalton's an unrestricted free agent, and that's why he wasn't on the list as, as uh, the quarterbacks in the NFC South, and they had Taysom Hill in that slot. Well, thank you. I'm I'm away with it now. That's the guy I'm going to roll with. Then James Winston. Who are you picking? You're going Andy Dalton. Then if you can include him, it's fine. If he's not, he might not come back to the Saints. But if you want to, no, if, I can't put him because he's not on the contract, so he's technically not with the with the Saints. Right there's now. so many rules. I would have to – I'd go with Taysom Hill at this point. Over I mean, Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold's not under contract either. That's what I'm saying. Oh, man. So that's what I'm so saying. We, We're going under guys we, who are under contract. Actually, so have we actually defined this game as who do you like better, Blaine Gabbard, <laughs> Taysom Hill? Yeah. Because this pretty game much. sucks. <laughs> I yeah, pretty much. Game. I mean, Jameis still is under contract for the next three seasons. So give me Jameis Winston. He's got a potential out in 2023. I like this from Joey from Huntersville. Drake May is the best QB in the South. Yeah, and I think they might they might end up they might end up cutting him because his base salary for next season is 12.8 million. So can can we play with the the quarterbacks that were on the roster so we don't have to choose between like what is Kyle Trask still a thing with Tampa Bay? I mean, I I, you know I like to follow rules for the most part. I know you do. I'm a rule breaker, Wes. That's the difference (laughs) between us. Yes, I am. I am a savage. (laughs) Okay. I am a rebel. and I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose Jameis Winston as the best QB. But it, to the point, there's there's nobody that has a serious advantage over another team in the division because of their quarterback spot right now. Yeah, and that's always what has been saving Carolina. And to be frank, you go back last year, Atlanta had a real. Atlanta had a real uh, point to maybe move up in this, but they got Kyle Pitts. Um, when they drafted him number four overall, that was two years ago. And they also didn't spend a first round pick on a quarterback. And instead they settled for Desmond Ritter because they had a QB class that just wasn't all that great last season. So they didn't really take advantage of moving on from a Matt Ryan, right? Not getting his successor the last year that he was with Atlanta, not replacing him with any first round pick because the quarterback class was so weak. Well, they're about to go get Lamar Jackson. Well, and and that might be true, but if if it is going to happen through the draft and if they don't get Lamar Jackson, then that is what allowed, that has allowed everybody to kind of tread water, even with one another. Mm -hmm. Atlanta had a chance to jump out in front of all this. They did. And Carolina did too, to be fair. Yeah. A lot of these teams, they did have chances. I think that, you know, that's why I said the rookie quarterback that Carolina drafts potentially could be the best, but we're going to see how it plays out because, like I said, that's a lot of cap space. I think Atlanta would gladly part with whatever draft picks they had to get rid of if they do indeed franchise tag him. I think that's a deal you make without even thinking twice. Jake got mad at me on the Garage Door Guru text line. He called me a dumbass for not picking Sam Darnold, and that should be off the radio. This guy has been the big Sam Darnold voice big time. Like Probably Jake is, Sam Darnold's burner. Yeah, it might be. Is that Sam? <laughs> is that Sam? I'm sorry, Sam. Hey, look, Sam played well. Like, in the last... I, I know Fiddy thinks he played well against the Saints. I, I look, he played well God, leading up to the last. He just won the game. He did. He played well leading up until the Saints game, but I'm sorry, I don't want to move forward with him. And then, do we have enough time to get to the soundbite? Because I think what he says may answer some questions about if he would not like a guy who is not the prototypical size. Do we have enough time for that video? Or should we just? Uh, 
finish up and get ready for the flash. We got time for it, Wes. All right, go ahead and knock it out. The favorite type is the type that win, that know how to win, that can make plays in the clutch, that are accurate, that are tough, that are leaders. You know, that just have that have that X factor. They have great feet. They have accelerated vision. Their mind can process things where the game is going slow to them. So. That's the favorite type. That can come in all shapes yeah. and sizes. Sometimes it's not even about size, but it's about durability. So if you're a smaller guy and you've proven that you can stay durable, good. I'm, we're all about it. I would think, though, off of that, too, especially since he was not necessarily the prototypical quarterback, that he would have more of a heart for a guy that doesn't have all the things that you want. So I think that may dispel some things that may, if they were able to get Bryce Young in a crazy alternate universe, that he would still pick him, he's not going to look at the size. Well, I mean, in Chicago now, we, we mentioned this earlier too, but according to Albert Breer, Chicago is confirming they're going to go with Justin Fields yeah. as their franchise QB. As you should. And they're going to trade the number one overall pick. And we thought that was probably going to be the case, but now it's somewhat confirmed if you believe Albert Breer here. And how much is it going to take to go get that number one overall slot? It's going to be too much, right? So there's going to be a team that eventually talks themselves into Bryce Young or maybe C.J. Stroud, although I think Bryce Young will probably be the number one overall pick going to some team, and then Carolina will have to figure out if C.J. Stroud is worth trading up for. We talked about seven picks in the first five rounds of this upcoming draft process, so do with that what you will. And then if you don't go up and get C.J. Stroud, like, I wonder what you're going to do with Will Levis, who there are plenty of mocks that have him going before Carolina even has that shot at number nine. Don't even get me started on that. We talked about that yesterday. but With Will Levis? Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But uh, before we do that, we're going to see how Fitty's flash plays out. Okay. I'm always scared about that. Yeah, no, Wes. My flashing continues to be one of the best things about me. Uh, after a after nearly a month in concussion protocol, uh, Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa has finally cleared the NFL's concussion protocol. And with many people expressing it would be best for him to retire, the team does expect him to be a part of off season uh, off season activities in a full capacity. But just glad to see he finally was able to get out of that protocol. Because remember, he had that concussion back on Christmas Day in that loss against the Packers. So you're talking. Almost two months. Yeah, there was a lot of problems surrounding that, too, especially with Tua taking what was an awful shot and then hitting his head off the ground and then posturing. And then it led us all to having this conversation about whether Tua should have been allowed to go on the field, even though he was technically cleared medically. It was a scary situation. I'm hoping that Tua is able to be safe first and foremost and then parlay that into playing football if that's what he continues to want to do but very scary situation for such a young QB in this league yeah man you hate to see it like I said a young guy have his career ended early uh, not being able to walk off the field on his own as far as just metaphorically or however you want to say it you would like a guy like that to be able to finish out their career the way that they want to and you hate for it to be cut short because he was showing a lot of potential this year he had the Dolphins uh, playing really well offensively with that receiving core so we will see what happens as the NFL world turns when we come back what's on tap we're going to talk about that and a lot of uh, Hurricanes Hockey analysis. Hockey analysis on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. It always.
always makes me happy seeing Fiddy smile and dance with a nice beat coming into the break. It's going to be the final segment of the show. Then we'll hand it off to Kyle Bailey taking over alongside Smoke Ludwig. That happening in just a moment. If you missed the breaking news from Fiddy, Deuce Staley is leaving his role as the Lions assistant head coach slash running backs coach to join Frank Reich here in Carolina. He was with Philadelphia coaching on that staff alongside Frank Reich that won a Super Bowl just a few years back. He also won a Super Bowl playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was an awesome running back for Philadelphia. Man, they had some great running backs in Philadelphia history, man. Like, especially if you just go back to the 2000s, Brian Westbrook, Deuce Staley. Do you remember Kareem Waters? Kareem Buckhalter. Buckhalter, yep. Yeah, just some, like, great 2000 NFL running back names. Sean McCoy was my guy too. Loved watching. Oh yeah, Shady was ill. crazy. One Ill. of the best. Yeah, the best feed in the game, man. He was awesome watching him. And now you have Deuce Staley. He also, by the way, was born and raised here in uh, uh, South Carolina. So uh, just um, was Sean McCoy. No, sorry, Deuce Staley. I oh, yeah, 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 for sure. He yep. was nice at South Carolina. Yep. So Deuce Staley also coming back home alongside Frank Reich. So very cool to see that. And uh, we'll see exactly what the new title for him is going to be. We have not seen what uh, what kind of title Deuce Staley is going to get with this coaching staff. Let's go to what's on tap. Pittsburgh hits the road and they take on North Carolina in Chapel Hill. 7 p.m. tip on the ACC Network. Let's go to the host of the Four Corners podcast you can find on Heel Tough Blog. Fiddy, what do you expect to see from this game tonight? And how confident are you that the Tar Heels will uh, uh, actually get revenge in that um, in that past game that they played <laughs> against Pittsburgh that they lost? It yeah, happened. no, I, uh, I I picked Carolina to win. Thankfully for you, you don't have to watch this game with me like you had to watch the Pittsburgh That's loss right. back in December with me. But Carolina undefeated at home. I know Saturday's big and we're all ready for it, but I think they'll take care of business tonight heading into that showdown with Duke on Saturday. Yeah, I can't have Pittsburgh beating North Carolina twice. Are you going to stick with the same theory you would have gone with had you realized uh, Duke uh, yeah, lost yeah. to Wake Forest? No, the these first are two good teams. I think they split. Carolina at home gets it done. Well, especially because we've seen the, the teams at home, they come out with the victory this ACC season, and I don't expect to see anything different from North Carolina. How big of a game is this? I mean, when you when you look at North Carolina playing Pittsburgh, who has had a very good season, especially for their standards and what you expected from them, you know, when you look at North Carolina, would you count this as a, as a good victory for North Carolina, or yeah. is this kind of one yeah. of those things where it's not um, like they can't win, right? Like if you lose, it's a bad loss, but if you win, they should have done it anyway. No, I mean, Pittsburgh's in the top 70 in the net. They're ahead of Carolina in the ACC standings right now. They're eight and three. Carolina is seven and three. So if Carolina were to lose this game, it wouldn't be a quote unquote bad loss like it was last year, but it would serve in my opinion as a good win. Joe Lenardi probably disagrees with that, but to me, it'd be a good win. Well, yeah, no doubt. Pitts won 14 of their last 18 games. So this is a pit basketball team that's for real. Yeah, just when we talk about, look, as Fiddy likes to say, we are the University of North Carolina. And with that comes higher expectations than just being satisfied with beating a top 70 net ranked team. And so that's why I asked the question, even though I agree with both of you, I'm sure there are heels fans that would be destroying Hubert Davis. And if it happens again, I'm sure Fiddy is going to be doing that real time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would agree. Like, I, I think it would be a good win for the heels if they're able to get this, um, get the job done tonight. Again, going to be happening in Chapel Hill at seven o'clock. All right, Fiddy, what happened on this day in sports history? All right, guys, on this day back in 1950, 
The founder of the Green Bay Packers, player and coach Curly Lambeau, he resigned from his position after 31 seasons. He had six NFL titles to his credit. Uh, on this day in 1984, American lawyer and businessman David Stern became the NBA commissioner, succeeding Larry O'Brien. He would stay in the position all the way until 2014. I'll simply ask you guys this really quickly. Is he the best commissioner in sports history? So David Stern retires as the guy responsible for making the game global. And when you made the NBA global, you're starting to see an entirely new demographic of player enter the association. A lot of Europeans, it opens the door for guys like Dirk Nowitzki. It opens the door for guys like even Luka Doncic and Giannis. all of the Europeans that you see. Giannis Antetokounmpo coming from Greece. So it being such a popular product. And I remember you know, people talking about Kobe Bryant. Like you think... Americans are fans of Kobe. When you go to China, Kobe would talk about this going overseas and then walking into some countries and then they would find out what bus he would get off of and it would just be packed with yeah. Kobe fans. And so David Stern making making that a goal of his, putting that kind of emphasis, I'll say yeah, as far as what I grew up with. So I think it was remarkable what David Stern did with the NBA. And by the way, how about coming into the NBA, the same draft Michael Jordan one of the best drafts of all time, Akeem Olajuwon, right? The 84 draft, his first year lining up with that, pretty incredible. Well, yeah, and I would agree with you 100%. And then you're also going back to our theme earlier of conspiracy theories. You talk about conspiracy theories, first Michael Jordan retirement, I leave it right there. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's it. Well, that one's a long <laughs> I time. thought you were going with the draft lottery and the Knicks no, getting you. No, 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 no. No, most people, yeah, a lot of people think about the whole gambling thing yeah. with Michael. And I guess we can leave it at that. Right. You broached you it and then pulled it back. I did. Back. No, yeah, you I threw did. the rock and hit your hand. I just broke the rules a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You're a rule breaker. Uh-huh. Breaker. All right. And then lastly, guys, on this day in 2004, the New England Patriots won their second Super Bowl in three seasons after Adam Vinatieri made a field goal with four seconds left to beat the Carolina oh. Panthers. Oh wow! Thirty-two to twenty-nine. The thing I remember about that game was remember how no one gave the Panthers a chance to compete, and then we all came away from that game pissed off because we thought we outplayed New England and had a legitimate chance at hosting a Lombardi Trophy. Well, uh, so many different people go to the John Casey kick that went out of bounds and set Tom Brady up to make that drive to allow. He Adam just Vinatieri. followed the script. He just followed the script. <laughs> when you went to the locker room that year, Carolina knew that they were going to have a dominant defense and that they were going to have, how about, yes, now that is a script that is really hard to pull off. How about two overtime, or one overtime, and then the second overtime, you have X-Clown go in favor of Steve Smith to score that TD. Deshaun Foster have the run that took forever. It took a mile long to run for like two yards to eventually pound that into the NFC Championship end zone and move on to the Super Bowl. Now that that's a hell of a script to follow. That's when actually I was a Panthers fan. I sat in my dorm room at Wake Forest pretty upset for a little while that they had lost that game because, you know, it was for the city. I wanted to see. I never thought I'd see the Hornets or the Panthers get a championship in their respective sports during my lifetime. So that was a great game because the Panthers were right there. That's a great question. By the way, we're going to continue to convert you to a Panthers fan. I can feel it in your bones. You want to Never be, coming back. And we're going to help you out. It's not a big deal. But do you think we'll ever see Carolina or Charlotte win a championship in our lifetime? Oh, ever so hard to say. Hornets, <laughs> I would say no. I mean, it's I, so I keep it a buck. Hornets, I would say no. Hey, but we got Wimby. This is the year. If we get Wimby. If we get Wimby, then that could change the tide. I mean, it would really change some things. What do you think, Fitty? 
Uh, I think for the Panthers, yes, they've been there twice. They've been really, really close. Mm-hmm. The Hornets, maybe if they it's got so an owner that was invested in his team, maybe they could have a more legitimate chance. Ooh, Weston Walker ain't going to be invited. Spectrum sent him too many more oh, times after I, conspiracy I, theories and I need, that I need, comment. I need to dodge all of it. I got LOH. We have guests here. Let's just dodge all of it right now. Thank you for listening to Weston Walker. And also thanks to Scott Fowler for joining us today on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can go check it out as well as some of the hours that we post on our website, WFNZ. Weston Walker. Walker on Twitter, W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Follow. Hit that follow button. And if you do, then we're going to give you some kind of prize at yes, 2000 At some point, I'm not even sure when it's going to happen. Stick around. Kyle Bailey Show coming up next alongside Smoke Ludwig, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.